I want you to look there with me, please, at verse 18, especially the latter part of the verse, and you'll find the words, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. That's the theme for the prayer meeting tonight. Now, the filling of the Spirit mentioned here in this 18th verse is one of the most controversial, divisive, and misunderstood ministries of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may ask why there is so much confusion about the Spirit's infilling. The answer probably is no teaching or wrong teaching. Rather than arguing doctrinal theories tonight, I want to make the point very, very clear that is made by the Apostle Paul in this portion of God's Word. The point is this. We must be filled with the Spirit to be a healthy, strong, and growing Christian. That's a challenge to me. And it ought to be a challenge to all of our hearts tonight as we assemble here in the presence of God who knows all our hearts. He knows exactly where we are spiritually, how we're doing, how we're not doing. He knows everything about us. But the point I'm stressing here is the teaching of the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit that there is such an experience as the filling of the Holy Spirit. Spirit infilling is not getting more of the Spirit. I have to uh, add that. It's not getting more of the Spirit. You see, when Christ saves a soul, the Spirit takes up residence in our hearts immediately, completely, and permanently. Romans 8 and 9 says, If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, that's the sense of the word dwell here, to dwell completely and permanently in the believer. We've got to understand this, that the Holy Spirit is not an influence. The Holy Spirit is not a knit. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. So when we trust in Christ by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit becomes resident within this tabernacle. He's within each child of God now, the total person. The Holy Spirit is within us. He is the guarantee of what God has completed, what God has commenced. It's the guarantee that God will complete what he has begun in the hearts of his people. So if we are saved by the grace of God, then the Spirit lives within us. Yet Spirit indwelling is not Spirit infilling. And that's what I want to try to get across to you tonight from uh, this portion of God's Word. And in these verses, the Spirit teaches four dynamics of a Spirit-filled life. So it's a challenge to me as a preacher. It's a humbling experience, you know, when you begin to search your heart to seek to find out if we are indeed Spirit-filled. If I'm a Spirit-filled preacher, if you're a Spirit-filled child, of God. The first thing that I notice here is the contrast to spirit infilling. Verse 18 begins with a prohibition against drunkenness. 
The Apostle Paul literally says, stop getting drunk with wine. That's a very strong statement. Stop getting drunk with wine. Now, the teaching is clear that Christians should not get drunk. And there's a simple reason for that because it contradicts our Christian walk, our Christian work, and our Christian witness. It's not a good testimony. So this is what Paul is saying. Now, many people disagree with the Free Presbyterian's standard or stance on, of abstinence from non-medical drinking of alcohol. They argue that wine was used by God's people throughout biblical history, and it's, it's wrong to impose a standard of abstinence on church members. Now, Mr. Johnson dealt with this very well in our week of meetings. The wine today is not the same as it was in uh, Old Testament times and New Testament times, uh, different proportions, and so on. We'll, we'll not go into that now, tonight. You've heard that in the past. The word impose is the wrong word to use, by the way. We, as a fellowship of the Free Presbyterian Church, we voluntarily abstain from alcohol drink. And those who wish to be communicant members uh, with a right to vote, in the case of men, a, a right to be voted into office must agree to voluntarily abstinence. So that's something for us to give thought to and pay attention to as the people of God. Now the question may be asked, how do we avoid, how do we resist, how do we overcome sin? That's the question that comes to us all. How do we overcome? We're surrounded with this and that and the other thing every day. So it's a struggle every day. It's a struggle every single day that we live as God's people. Well, the answer is very straightforward. It's very specific. The answer to that question is be filled with the Spirit. Keep being filled with the Spirit. Stay filled with the Spirit. Now, spirit infilling is not spiritual intoxication. A drunken person is under the influence, of course, of the alcohol. So the spirit-filled person is under the influence of the third person of the Trinity, the person who dwells within. Don't forget that. The resident within is a divine person. He's in us now. He's infilling us now. He's indwelling us now as we assemble here in God's house. And that's a very humbling thing. And at the same time, it's a very sobering, a very solemn thought that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Just think about that for a moment. Let it just sink in. But the realities are not compatible. Remember when the disciples were filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Those who opposed them and their work said these men are drunk. They said they're under the influence of alcohol. No, they weren't. They were under the influence of the Holy Spirit who was controlling their thoughts and their speech and their actions and their ministry. A drunk person loses control 
a drunk person walking down the street, there's no control. He, he or she goes from side to side. They may not be able to slip down and pick up something they dropped and not be able to open and uh, tie their shoelaces. They're out of control. But the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. When the Spirit works in us and we yield to him, we don't get more of the Spirit. In reality, the Spirit gets more of us. That's the point. Because if the, if the complete person comes to take up residence within us, we don't get any more of him. But the point is that he gets more of us. And as he gets more of us, then we're more under the control of the Spirit of God. And then by his grace and by the help of the Spirit, we will be able to avoid this, resist this, or overcome the things, the habits that continually would draw us down and bring us down and into bondage and so subdue the works of the flesh that manifest themselves in our hearts and lives. Galatians uh, chapter 5 is a good chapter to read. You read there the works of the flesh, plural, the works of the flesh. But when it comes to the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is singular. Not the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And then you have the ninefold fruit of the Spirit following on. And these things will be manifest in a life that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. Alcohol is a depressant. Spirit infilling is a stimulant. The Spirit infilling enables us to resist temptation. It enables us to love obediently, serve faithfully, witness boldly, suffer manfully, if you like, in the service of Jesus Christ. So there's a contrast here. Be not, drunk with a, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There's a contrast. But then there's the call to Spirit filling. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? That's the question. And by the way, it's a, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. Be filled with the Spirit as a command, not a suggestion. The New Testament never... Uh, instructs Christians to be baptized with the Spirit. Because when we are converted by the power of the Spirit, the Spirit baptizes us into the body of Jesus Christ. So that happens at, at the very beginning there, the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit regenerates us and it manifests itself in conversion and so on. And so when at that point, we're baptized into the body of Jesus Christ. That, that happens just once and for all. We're baptized into the body. Uh, we're not to pray for uh, the, to be indwelt by the Spirit because the Spirit, as I said, comes to take up his residence within. And we're not to pray that we might be sealed by the Spirit. That is part of this great work of God, the triune God. And in the Ephesians, you read there, of what the Father does. He elects men to salvation. The Son redeems men. And the Spirit of God seals men. And, and the seal is the engagement ring, if you like. The, the earnest, you've heard about earnest money. It's the earnest that God will complete the work he has commenced within by the Spirit. It's the Spirit indwelling us. That's the token. And it guarantees our glorification. So this is a very sobering thought when we think, think about the work of the Holy Spirit. These spirit graces are 
standard equipment, if you like. For this standard equipment to function properly, we all must be filled with the Holy Spirit. God commands us to be filled with the Spirit. In fact, the commands in verse 18 carry the same weight. All of these commands is a command. It's just as sinful for the Christian not to be filled with the Spirit as it is for a Christian to be drunk with wine. So to be drunk with wine is a sin against God. And for a believer not to be filled with the Spirit is also a sin. It's for everyone, not just for a few. Spirit infilling is inclusive. And when you read Ephesians 5, 21 through chapter 6, 9, it teaches every Christian husband, every Christian wife, every Christian child and parent, employee, employer, should be filled with the Spirit. Individual Christians and Christians collectively are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. So I need to be filled with the Spirit. Sunday school teachers need to be filled with the Spirit. The youth workers need to be filled with the Spirit. Whatever you do in the service of God needs that, that power, that enabling of the Spirit. We, we can't do it effectively without it. To put it very simply, to put it very clear and plain, we can't work effectively in whatever sphere of service we're called to be engaged in without the enabling of the Spirit of God, without His fullness and His filling. You read of the apostles, they had that wonderful experience on the day of Pentecost. It didn't end there, it was an ongoing thing. And you read of these men on different occasions being filled with the Spirit for service. Now, listen. What would our homes be like? <coughs> what would our jobs be like? What would this church be like? If everyone here tonight, every believer in Korean, was filled with the Spirit, what would it be like? A foretaste of heaven on earth, would it not? It wouldn't make us perfect. But it would make the world of difference. Make the world of difference. Now this experience is to be repeated. It's not permanent. The indwelling is permanent. permanent, But the filling of the Spirit for service is repeated. As I said a few moments ago, Peter and the others, yes, they had that wonderful experience in the day of Pentecost, but thereafter, on different occasions, we read of them being filled again for the service of God. That's it. The Spirit, the filling of the Spirit is not a second work of grace that sanctifies you from sin once and for all forever. Now, there are people who hold to this good people, godly people, God-fearing people, but I cannot agree with this uh, theory that they do have. It's not scriptural. Not scriptural. At all. It's not scriptural. It's not a second work of grace that sanctifies a person once and for all forever. Sanctification is a progressive thing. It's an ongoing thing. It's really a work. Justification is an act of God's grace. 
whereby we are declared righteous before the bar of God. Sanctification is a work. It's an ongoing thing. And it's designed to make us more and more like Jesus Christ on earth, preparing us for that time of our glorification when we will be like him, but will not be like him until we cross the line and enter into glory. And then we will see him as he is and we will be like him as he is. But we can't come to that point of sinless perfection on earth. It just doesn't work. It doesn't happen that way. That's not what the Bible teaches. But the whole process of sanctification is to make us more and more like Christ, to make us holy, preparing us for that day when we will be holy and we won't see him as he is. So the Spirit has to be a, a continual experience in the believer's life. When you wake up in the morning, bow your head before God as you begin your day. O oh God, send now thy gracious Spirit to renew me, refresh me, to stir me up within. Let me experience this today. When asked if he was filled with the Spirit, D.L. Moody, famous evangelist, answered, Yes, but I leak. That's true. We leak. That is true of every Christian. We may be filled with the Spirit in the morning time, and yet at the end of the day, due to the leak, we may not. Because it's not a permanent thing. We need to die, day, we need to die daily to self and sin and submit ourselves afresh unto him each day that we might enjoy this divine fullness, that the Spirit of God will take more and more control of us from within to cause us to walk in the paths of truth and righteousness. So we need to submit ourselves to the filling of the Spirit. It's the work of God. And the Spirit is more willing to fill us than we are to be filled, I think. That's it. Because a Spirit-filled life is a life that's different. It's a life that's totally dedicated and committed to doing the will of God. And that's a hard thing to attain to in this life. We need God's help every day. We need to let the Spirit of God take more and more control of ourselves. The condition of Spirit filling, how is a Christian filled with the Spirit? Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another, and all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Then Paul gives the same characteristics of spiritual filling, infilling. He gives here in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. So in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. To be filled with the Spirit is to be with the word of God. Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with the Word of God. You show me a person whose life is filled with the Word of God, and I'll certainly show you a person who is filled with the Spirit. There's the link. There's a link. If we're men and women of the Word, there will be evidence of that Spirit-filled life. And as the Spirit of God leads us, then we will be men and women, women of the book. There, there's, there's the binding together. You can't separate the two. All oh, that God would make us men and women of the book. Paul exhorts, finally be strong in the Lord 
and the strength of his might, he says, put on the whole armor of God, that he may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. The devil wars against a spiritual life. But the Christian has the whole armor of God. And one piece is defensive as well as offensive. A sword of the spirit. A sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When the enemy attacks, the spirit helps you stand your ground. The Holy Spirit only fights with his own sword. But if the word of God is not in you, the spirit has nothing to fight with. Because the Spirit is taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So as we study the Scriptures, have our hearts saturated with divine truth, then when the devil comes to attack us, the Spirit can lay hold upon his own sword with his own hand and use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to defend God's people against the onslaughts of the devil. You see, David had his enemy in Goliath. And they only had those five stones. Five is the number of grace. They had these things available when the devil stood before him. And when we stand before our Goliath, the Holy Spirit has the stones, has the sword, has the word to defend God's people. Bringing to mind the truth that you've read. Bring it fresh to mind. So when the devil comes with impure thoughts, we think about some particular word that's relevant to that situation. When we have doubts, the Spirit brings some particular word that deals with doubts. When we are fearful, the Spirit can bring some particular word that deals with doubts, and so on. That's the way it is. So, imbibe the Word of God. So then, when the enemy comes, the Spirit can take his own sword, the Word of God, and help defend the child of God against the wiles of the devil. So you have this weapon, it's an offensive and defensive. We, we can go out against the enemies of God with the sword of the Spirit, wielding the sword of the Spirit. And at the same time, we have this comfort that God has given to us the whole armor of God. And then finally, there's the characteristic of the Spirit's filling. In Scripture, no Spirit-filled person ever claims to be filled with the Spirit. Jesus said, he will testify of me. He also said, he will glorify me. Someone wrote, and I, I quote, the spirit is a shy member of the Trinity who exalts Christ. Likewise, no spirit-filled Christian will boast of that. How spiritual he or she may be to draw attention to themselves or how mature they are in the things of God, to be filled with the Spirit is to be empty of self. And that's a very difficult place to come to. Because we're human beings, you see. We've got an old nature within us, an old fleshly nature within us that rebels against Spirit and the things of God. And that's difficult. But if we're going to be used of God in whatever sphere of service, we need to be filled with the Spirit. Better not get involved and get involved and be powerless in the service of God. Better not try to do it in your own strength. You'll fail miserably. 
You can cause heartbreak or sorrow. You can bring division. You can bring this and that and the other thing. So if you are not sure of being filled with the Spirit, leave it until you are. Until you're filled with the Holy Ghost and power. What are the characteristics of the, the Spirit filling? Well, worship is one of the things. Being filled with the Spirit will put a new song in our hearts. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody uh, to the Lord in your hearts. You know, it's not to draw attention to oneself. Some people, when they enter the pulpit to carry on and perform ministry, that's they do draw attention to themselves. Spotlight has got to be on them. That doesn't glorify God. Not at all. It takes away from the glory of God. And sadly, these things do happen. And I cringe when I see it. It's not a pleasant sight to behold that kind of thing at all. It's degrading, it's disgusting. And it's certainly not spiritual. When people go into the pulpit to minister, thank God for people who've got talents and abilities. But if you go into the pulpit to do anything, for me as a preacher to do it, to bring praise to me would be wrong. And I would have to confess that before God, as any preacher would have to do. And anybody else, whether it's testifying or singing or doing whatever, if it's not done in the Spirit, it will not glorify God. Making melody to the Lord in your hearts. Now, being filled with the Spirit will not teach you how to sing. That's one thing for sure. But it will give you a song. And we do not uh, sing to promote ourselves. We sing to build up others the way I preach to build up others. Moreover, we sing unto the Lord. And the Lord is not uh, impressed with our uh, vocal ability. Singing that pleases God must come from the heart as well. It's not a whining, trying to act country and western. No, that's not it at all. I've listened to people on trained singers singing to the glory of God in the pulpit. My heart has been blessed. And some people begin to whine a wee bit. And they try to like some of these country and westerns singers. Oh, it's so abysmal. Spirit-filled? Maybe that's the problem with the church in Ulster. Lacking in power. Lacking in this anointing. Spirit-filled people will give thanks always. Spirit-filled people give thanks conditionally, unconditionally for everything. Submitting one to another in the fear of God. And we need to submit ourselves to him. Lay ourselves upon the altar of sacrifice. And say, Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee take my moments and my days and from this life may there ascend praise to God and may it manifest the, the beauty of Jesus a spiritful life now I need to ask myself that question right now 
wrestled with this all day. And I think you need to ask yourself the question now. Are you a spirit-filled believer? If so, does it show? Does it show? Well, I'll leave these thoughts with you. It hasn't been the easiest of messages to deliver but it's what the Lord laid upon my heart. May God be pleased to bless his word, bless our hearts. Let's all seek the Lord's face together as we pray. We'll talk to you after the time of prayer.